This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to episode 66 of the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. We recently had a broadcast with Andy Martin where he was talking about how we can hear God's voice in our church plants and today we're bringing you the recording of that hangout. You can find the full notes on everything that Andy said at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 66. So here is Andy Martin. A few introductory comments about why this is important. Um, first one is simply this. We worship, love and follow a God who speaks. All of creation is here because God spoke. Let there be light, let there be trees, let there be fish. Uh, it all came into being because God spoke. And then God sent prophets to speak to his people. And then God got people to write this down. So we have a book recording what God has said. And then, of course, God spoke most fully through sending his son who came to earth and then brought revelation of God's kingdom coming. How? Through teaching and through healing the sick. So we worship and follow a God who loves to speak. He spoke at the beginning and he's still speaking today. And when it comes to church planting, forming a new community, seeing people come to know Jesus, seeing them added into a community, Uh, The Bible calls that new creation, that there are new creations being formed. In fact, Paul says in Ephesians that the church is a new creation. So at the beginning of the story, the Bible, God brings creation into being by speaking, and God is making a new creation in us and in the church. So when it comes to planting those churches, when it comes to forming new communities, why shouldn't God still be speaking to us? It's not that he's got new things to add to his word. We've got the full revelation of his word. And as it says in Hebrews, God has finally spoken through his son, Jesus. There is no greater revelation than his son. But God wants to remind us and speak to us of things that he has said. That's what prophecy is now in the age in which we're living. In the Old Testament, God would speak through an Elisha, an Elijah, a Samuel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, etc. You know the names. Um, and then that got recorded as being direct revelation of God's word. However, in the New Testament, now that Jesus has come and we have full revelation, we don't expect new messages that we've never heard before, but we expect God to remind us of things he said in a moment to speak to us, bringing a fresh understanding or a a phrase that I like to use and others have used, a nowness, that sense of what God is saying to us now about his purposes, either for us individually or for the new community that we're trying to form. So God will keep speaking to us in our lives as individuals and to our churches, bringing that sense of his presence and what he wants to do now. So all of that was to say, to set us up for this. Let's be expecting God to speak. There's no point in doing sessions on prophecy and church planting if we're not listening to God, if we're not expecting it. 
God has spoken creation into being, has spoken through his son, has spoken life into you and me, and he is still speaking as we go about following him. Some of you are getting involved in church planting quite possibly because God spoke to you. There was a prophetic word, something which he said to you through someone in a meeting or something he spoke privately when you were reading his word one day. And this speaking to us should carry on as we get involved in church planting. Paul says that churches are built on the foundation of apostles and prophets. Apostles laying the foundation, bringing in the biblical values of who Jesus is, word, spirit, grace, subjects, no doubt we cover on other uh, sessions in this program. But he also says it's a foundation of prophets. So if we're looking to build a church right early on, we should be expecting God to speak, to help us lay that prophetic foundation. The next reason why this is important is not simply that God is speaking, but actually it brings faith. Paul says in Romans that faith comes from hearing, comes from hearing God. It's based on what God has said to us. So if we're heading into church planting, if we're heading into a city to see people come to know Jesus, Hearing God speak to us about it gives us something to stand on. Yes, we've got the commands from Scripture to make Jesus known. Yes, we know that Jesus has sent us into all the world to make disciples. But having things God has said to us personally, or if we're part of a church planting team, things that God has spoken to us in the process of relocating to start a church brings faith to us. Church planting is pretty tough at times. It can sometimes take a while to see that first meeting come about where people are saved or to see people knitted into the church truly in community or to see leaders raised up. And all of this takes time and effort and perseverance. If we've got things God has said to us, then when it's hard, we know how to pray. We know that we shouldn't give up. We can say, hang on, God spoke to us. I've got faith for this. So hearing God brings faith. We see this, if you wanted to read some more about this in the Old Testament, in the book of Haggai, that people have come out of exile um, and have returned to the promised land, and they need to rebuild the temple because the temple had been destroyed. Uh, and they're not doing it. They've got the priorities wrong. They don't think there's enough resources. They don't think there's enough uh, bricks and wood, etc., so God sends Haggai to them, who gives them prophetic words, telling them that now is the time to build God's house. Now is the time for them to go up into the mountains and get wood, and that God is with them and that he will give them all the resources. The book begins with a dilapidated, run-down temple. It finishes with the people obeying what God has said and rebuilding the temple, but living with a prophetic vision that the glory of the temple will be even greater than Solomon's temple. And where does that energy and strength and perseverance come from? A prophet spoke. God spoke to them, and they realigned their priorities and built his house. We're looking to build houses for God as we plant churches in new communities. Therefore, we need to hear him and have him speak to us. What kind of things can God say to us then? Let me just give you a few illustrations 
from my own experience. God could direct us to a certain part of the city to work, a certain kind of demographic in the city. We need to be saying to God, where do you want us to work? What part of the city? There could be several churches already in the place that you're looking to go to. So are there things specifically that God has for us in moving into that area? A friend of mine uh, was been recruiting a team to go into a city. This was overseas. Um, And it's a fairly complex city, lots of different diverse communities, quite segregated in many ways. And he needed to be clear where should he take the team to to start. They were going to learn language, um, which was an additional challenge. Um, They didn't want to be there as foreigners, not knowing the language, walking walking around an area where everyone would think, why are you here? You're foreign. What's going on? So they needed to get the right area, but they also needed to get the right area for ministry. Where could they begin when they learnt a bit more language? Where could they start reaching out to people? So uh, over a period of time, he visited the city and prayed and asked God to speak to him. He networked with other people, trying to understand the city a bit more. And then in the conversation he had with someone who lived in that city for many years, um, but was very helpful to us, in helping us understand the place. Uh, one of the last places that he thought of when he was talking to my friend, he said, oh, what about this area? And they both suddenly felt that God was speaking. The next day, my friend went to visit that area and prayed and said, God, will you speak to me now? Will you confirm to me that this is the right place? He went into a cafe. Uh, he speaks the language there. He's been learning it for some time. And he started chatting to some people in the cafe. And they said to him, you're not from this part. What are you you doing here? You're obviously from the West. Why are you here? Um, And he felt the Holy Spirit give him courage to tell them. He said, well, I've come here to uh, teach God's book, the Bible. Um, And uh, God has told us that we should love all people. Um, And because I love this city, I'm coming here to speak to people about Jesus. And these people said, this is amazing. Um, We must introduce you to a friend of ours who uh, has had dreams of Jesus um, and keeps asking us questions about him. And so later that day, they introduced him to this man who had an amazing testimony of how Jesus had come to him. There's so much in that story. But the big thing was, through that encounter, my friend knew that that's where God wanted them. He'd studied maps. He'd networked with people try to understand the city, wanting to know where to take the team, where was a safe place to land and be able to reach people. And then walking around the area, he said, God, please show me. And God spoke and God showed them uh, where they should be. And that's where the team have landed now and already beginning to see some fruit. So God can speak to us about where should we be based? What part of the city? Ask him. That's what it means to hear God in a church plant. Don't just come up with strategies and demographic studies, do all that work, uh, but be saying, God, speak to us through this. Will you direct us? Will you guide us? Will you uh, give us dreams, give us visions? Be expectant of God to speak. God can speak uh, in the early days of a church plant about the long-term vision for the church. When I was uh, involved in planting my first church, um, we were replanting uh, an existing gathering, if you like. It was quite small. Um, It had been a church that existed for a while, but lost lots of people 
So we were starting again. We were talking about replanting it. Um, and I was asking God to show us what were his priorities for the church. Um, and uh, one of the things we needed was just to get some small groups growing. We, we had a small crowd of people at this point, wanted to start building some life during the week, getting some more community. Um, we had some people visiting to help us do some evangelism, just a short-term team. But during a time of prayer, someone prophesied about what God wanted to do long-term with the church and how God was going to work into other nations. Um, God was on the prophecy. It, it resonated in my heart. I felt God speak. But my response was, God, how on earth are we going to do that? I just need some small groups to work well. But because it was a word from God, because it resonated with us, we, we weighed it together as a team, we never, ever forgot it. And it became part of our long-term vision for the church. And sometime later, within a space of two years, we sent two couples overseas uh, to new situations to work. But it all came out of that prophetic word and God giving us some long-term vision, seeing beyond our existing need. There was nothing wrong with what we were focusing on. We needed small groups. There was no way we should be thinking that going to the nations was the next thing. But because we were expecting God to speak, um, because we are open to him, he started to put some long-term vision into us, way ahead of when we'd be ready. It helped shape us as a church. God can speak to us about resources. Um, church planting, we need to be very pragmatic. Where's the money coming from? How are we going to release leadership? How are we going to release resources? But actually, God can suddenly pick the pace up and speak to us about taking steps of faith, trusting him for new ventures or trusting him to start a ministry or trusting him for a premises um, and needing money to rent somewhere when we haven't got much income. We need to hear God for those kind of things. So be pragmatic, plan, budget, all of those things, but be asking God, what's his plan? What's his timetable? Uh, in this church that I was, uh, the first church I was involved in planting, we didn't have any money to release staff. Uh, we had a bit, but not enough. Um, and God spoke to me one time about taking a step of faith and going full time. Uh, this was going to be a huge step. We uh, had a mortgage. We had children. I'd worked by faith years ago when we were first married. I trusted God for money. But doing it at this stage with a mortgage was a whole different uh, ball game, really. But it was so powerful when God spoke to me. And I said, God, if this is really you, if this is the next stage for the church, um, then you need to speak to my wife as well. I won't say anything to her. I'll just wait and see what happens. Um, and basically, God was saying that he wanted to grow the church. But in order to do that, I needed to give it more time and take a step of faith. So 10 days after God speaking to me, um, my wife came home from a Sunday meeting. I hadn't been talking. We had a uh, a guest in speaking to us. And my wife said to me, I, God really spoke to me this morning, told me that you need to go full time and we need to trust him for the money. And it was a prophetic word, firstly to me, then to my wife, releasing resources. The church didn't have the money, but there was such a sense of God speaking to us. We shared it with others. We wanted some accountability, wanted to make sure we weren't just getting carried away and that we had heard God. And whenever we shared it with other leaders who are helping us uh, replant this church, 
people said, yes, we do think this is God. So we went for it. Um, it was a big step, but we never looked back. Um, and then the income in the church grew and grew, and then and the church grew as well. Um, and we never ran out of resources for ministry from that point onwards. So God can speak about resources. Yes, have our budgets. Yes, have our plans. But God can suddenly come and say, actually, I want you to take this step of faith. God can give us courage through prophetic words. It's one of the things we see in the story of Haggai when they rebuilt the temple. There was some opposition from local people, um, and that's one of the reasons why they weren't doing God's work. Um, Haggai brought a prophetic word, and they found courage to resist what people were saying and to build the temple. Church planting, as we said earlier, can take a long time, and it can take a lot of perseverance, a lot of guts, a lot of courage sometimes. We need to hear God to strengthen us and encourage us. Uh, this isn't a church planting story, but it's still linked to courage. We relocated from Bedford, where I had been leading the church, to come to Birmingham. There was a mixture of reasons uh, for that. It was helpful to have a different base to work out of into the Middle East. It's a huge move for us as a family, our children being much older than other moves we've done before. Um, there were lots of good reasons for coming here. It made sense pragmatically. Lots of other leaders were behind it. They said, yeah, this is a good move. It's the right move. It's going to help the church here. It's going to help what I'm doing. But I wanted God to confirm it. I wanted more than just the affirmation of leaders and just the practicalities. So I said, God, please speak. Um, and God began to confirm the move to Birmingham in some remarkable ways in terms of Birmingham just kept coming up in all kinds of conversations, even coming up on in TV programs we were watching, suddenly Birmingham was talked about, a newspaper dropped, local newspaper in Bedford dropped through our front door with Birmingham all over the front page, which was just bizarre because we lived in Bedford. Um, but my point is it gave us courage and it gave us courage for our children because we were going to pull them out of lots of friendships and out of schools and move them to a new place. Um, and we needed to hear God. Yes, it made sense pragmatically, but we needed to hear God. That this is what he wanted because we knew when we landed in a new place, and they were trying to make friends. And if we found that hard as mum and dad watching it, we could say, hang on, God spoke. We're not just here for practical reasons. We're here because God spoke. Um, and then God can give individual encouragement uh, to us. And so not only speaking to us as a church planting team, but speaking to us individually, coming to us, reminding us that we're on track, that we're doing what he wants us to do, um, speaking to us about the next season, uh, things that he wants to, us to give ourselves to. So that's just several things that prophecy does. Direct us part of what city we should be working in, the kind of people we want to be reaching, can help us define our vision for the long term, can help give courage, can help release resources. How does this gift work? Um, again, some of us would have seen this, but just to underline it in very practical tonight in terms of how this happens in a church plant. When we read God's word, expect him to speak to us. Expect him to speak to us about things that we're doing. Maybe uh, in times of worship on a Sunday, God will suddenly speak, reminding us of our call or uh, prompting us that he is calling us to church plant. Um, but then more commonly, through the prophetic gift. 
uh, God using people who are gifted prophetically to give us words to prophesy over church planting teams or in terms of ministry on a Sunday or at a conference. So one thing I'd encourage you to do, if you're church planting, part of a church plant team, see if there's some way that you can get someone with a prophetic gift to come to your team and prophesy and pray with you and hear God uh, asking God for words for the church plant team. Get a prophet in. Um, Or if you're an individual, not joined to a team yet, but considering church planting, put yourself in the way of the prophetic gift. If you know that there's a meeting going on and it's going to be prophetic ministry, get to it. You're saying, God, I'm hungry. I'm expecting you to speak. So therefore, I'm going to go to a context where you're going to speak. So God can definitely do it individually. But also, Paul tells us to eagerly desire um, the spiritual gifts and especially the gift of prophecy. So desire it not only for us to prophesy to others, but desire it for people prophesying over us. I think that's also what Paul means. Because Paul says the gift strengthens and encourages and builds the church. So let's put ourselves in the way of where we're going to find that gift, among prophets or in times of ministry, and focus on the church plant. Say, God, for this church plant, for this next step, speak to me, guide me. And God will speak. Might not be in that meeting, maybe in another time. But Paul says, eagerly desire the gift. Some other practical things. How do you know it's really God and you're not just getting carried away with your vision? Well, weigh things with other people. Paul tells us this in Corinthians. He's ever so practical. He says, weigh it together. Is this God? Does this sound like it's encouraging? Does it sound like it's building up the church? Does it fit with other things that he said and other things that we're feeling? Make sure that you've got other trusted leaders who can shape those things with you. Um, Hopefully you picked up in some of the examples I gave earlier that I was talking with other leaders or other people I was working with to help me make those decisions. It's one thing to think you've heard God, but actually to test it, to make sure that others are speaking in, doesn't devalue the gift, doesn't stop the Holy Spirit working. In fact, it helps us feel stronger and more secure that we're not just doing this on our own. Sadly, too many times in too many parts of the world, There are people wandering around doing things because they believe God has told them to, and yet they haven't referenced others. They haven't asked local church leaders if they're hearing God or not. They've just individually saying, God has spoken to me, so therefore I'm doing this. That's not God's way. God wants us in community, hearing God together, weighing things together. So involve leaders in that. Involve trusted friends. Just a a few things to help us in the process of weighing things. Prophecy, God speaking, is primarily revelation coming to us, something God is revealing. Like I said earlier, not new in addition to his word, but something from his word, but bringing a nowness to it, something shaping what we're doing now, or shaping the vision, or uh, giving us something to do, like for me, taking a step of faith or for my friend going to a part of the city. There's a revelation. That revelation may come through a prophet speaking. It may come through a vision. 
It may come through a dream, but the initial heart of the prophecy is revelation from God, however it comes, a dream, a word, a feeling, something coming to us when we worship, revelation. But the next part of prophecy, and this is really important, is then the interpretation. What does that revelation mean? It's all well and good having a vision of a part of the city or a vision of a particular demographic. But what is the interpretation for that? Is God saying you're going to reach those kind of people? Uh, or is God saying he wants you to pray for that kind, those kind of people? Is God saying he's going to bring you those kind of people? There's the revelation, but then there's interpretation. And then after that is application. What is the thing you're supposed to do with that prophetic word? When going back to that first church that I was involved in planting, there were some prophetic words which came during a, an extended season of God powerfully meeting with us in our Sundays and in our prayer meetings. We had a remarkable season for some months. <clears throat> and there were many prophetic words. Some of them were, were quite remarkable. But as we weighed them together, they were words that actually, if they were true, we just had to wait for God to fulfill them. There was no application for us. There was nothing we could do other than simply treasure those words and, and hope that God would bring them about if they were from him, because they were words to do with many people being saved or many healings. Um, so sometimes with prophetic words, as you weigh them, think about the, what's the interpretation and then what's the application. Is this something that God's wanting you to take a step on now, or is it something you simply have to wait and pray for and ask for God to do, or is it something... Uh, which you simply file away, as it were, and think, right, I'm going to treasure that in my heart and wait and see if God confirms it or if God does something with it. One of the things that I've often done with prophetic words is said, God, if that's you, please confirm it. Please will you bring that word up again. Please will you speak to me through someone else. It's not doubting God. It's wanting to make sure I'm weighing it, wanting to make sure particularly if it's something that I'm really excited about, like church planting in the Middle East or taking a step of faith for that. My emotions and my own vision, all of which are still from God, can, can affect whether or not I'm actually hearing God. Is this just me getting excited or is it God speaking? The way I deal with that is say, God, I think that was probably your voice, but I need you to confirm it through someone else. Or I need you to speak to someone else on the team. And not doing that out of doubt, but doing it in faith. It's part of weighing prophecy. Paul tells us to do that. Just a couple more things before we finish for questions, some of which I can see are coming in. Timing. Remember that sometimes God speaks, and it can be weeks or months or even longer before it's fulfilled. We see this in God's word again and again. God gave Abraham a huge promise. He had to wait over 25 years before it came true. Moses, um, before he could deliver God's people, had to wait years before that happened. Again and again, we see that often God's timing is different from ours. So be patient, all because something that you believe God has given you in a prophecy hasn't come about, doesn't mean you've missed it, doesn't mean that you didn't hear God. It could simply be that God's wanting you to persevere. 
What I do with times like that, when I thought God has spoken and something hasn't happened, is again, I asked God to confirm it. I said, God, speak again. Did I mishear you? Um, or is it just that I've got to wait and keep persevering? And God, please speak again. And, and that's often happened. He has reminded me, he's come to me, spoken to me through someone in a meeting or spoken to me personally. And that's enabled me to keep going. So don't, in our day and age, and we can bring this into the church too, often we can think things need to be instant. Church planting, we need to get to 50 people quickly. Or we need to see people saved quickly. Or we need to start this ministry quickly. But often God's pace is different from ours. Um, so all because God has spoken doesn't mean it's going to be the next thing he does. Um, so we need to be asking him about timing as well. <clears throat> In all of this, keep your attention on Jesus. Don't get distracted by specific words. Don't make something which God has said bigger than actually following Jesus. This helps us deal with disappointment, helps us deal with perseverance, helps us deal with when things don't happen the way we thought they would. So many times I've spoken with people, trying to pastor them, or I've even had it in my own life, where people have said, but I thought God said it. I thought God had, had promised me this. And part of what they need help with is the disappointment has got so big because actually they took their eyes off Jesus. They made the promise bigger than the one who'd given the promise. Prophecy is so important. It can encourage us, strengthen us, help us release resources, help direct us, all the things I've said. But it's not meant to replace our love and worship of Jesus. And I know that sounds obvious um, and a kind of an odd thing to be finishing on, but it's just so, so important. Eagerly desire prophecy. Expect God to speak. But let's keep our eyes and hearts focused on things he's already said in his word and following him in the simple day-to-day. -day. Otherwise, we can get too focused on when he said this, so we've got to do this, uh, rather than actually doing the day-to-day -day things, praying, serving people, sacrificial living, um, reading his word regularly. Yes, treasure prophecy, but get on with the daily walk of following him. As the church is built, as you gather a team for a church plant, Stay expectant, build expectation into the team and into the church for God to speak. That's part of how we lay a, sound, a prophetic foundation. That's actually going to be the topic of, an, of another broadcast coming up very soon, is how do we lay a prophetic foundation into the church. So I don't need to say any more about that other than to say, in terms of the prophetic and church planting, it's not just for the initial stage, it's actually to be built into uh, the team that are planting the church, and then the community as it gets formed and as it grows by bringing prophetic gifts in, by remembering prophetic words that God has spoken that help form the church. Those are things that will create an expectation. We're not simply following a strategy or we're not simply moving into a new area because we want to reach people. We're doing things because God has set them. We're running this ministry because God has told us to, or we're running an alpha on this estate because God spoke to us, or we're giving sacrificially to get this premises because we know God spoke to us about this part of the city. That's what church planning should be, and that's what churches should be, 
a prophetic foundation where we're hearing God and not just doing things out of duty or doing things because others have done them, but doing it because we're a prophetic community. And God still speaks today. How do you teach the first few people in your church plant how to prophesy, especially if they're not used to it? And how much of a priority would you make of teaching into it in the early days, particularly as there are so many other foundational things that you need to establish? A really good question, whoever asked that. Thank you. Um, I think several things. So if we're hearing God in the way that I've tried to describe tonight in planting the church, we should have some stories to tell. So we can, as people come into the church, we're telling them stories about the vision and how God spoke to us about the vision or how God spoke to us to move to that area of the city or uh, to move to a completely new city. So tell the story as to why you're there and why you're doing this. What people will hear is God speaks. Um, so that's the big thing people need to know. It's not simply he's spoken to us through a book um, or has spoken to us through the life of Jesus, but he's still speaking today. Here's an example. We're a church plant. Um, and then in terms of uh, getting people to prophesy, um, do a lot more than what I've done tonight, but teach them preaching on Sundays, etc., small groups, whatever, that God does still speak. And uh, use scripture to do that. So some of the stories of the prophets are good. Some of the examples in Acts where Paul has a dream, the man of Macedonia, etc. So God still speaks. People need that foundation. They need that confidence to know that God speaks and that he speaks to us. Um, help them understand it's got nothing to do with maturity. It's got nothing to do with how much they read the Bible or how much they pray. God loves his children. He's a father. What father doesn't speak to their children? Um, I'm obviously rushing this for the, for the sake of time. But those kind of things, you want a foundation that helps people know their heavenly father is going to talk to them, whether they've uh, decided to believe in him for one day or for 501 days. Practically, um, I think there are practical things that we can do. It's helpful to get someone who's prophetic to come in and model it, but you don't have to do that. Um, some of you may have seen this, these ways of doing it. I, I use objects sometimes. I will simply get some objects out, put them on a the table. Um, I've got some in front of me now that I could use, a pen, for example, um, a watch, uh, maybe a book, maybe, you know, just some practical things, and say to people, having taught them, say, look, we're going to ask God to speak to us. Often our minds just go blank. We can't think of anything. Um, we don't know if we're thinking of things because of something we watched on the telly or something we've eaten. So let's look at these objects and ask God to, to speak to us. And then let's trust each other and say what's coming into our minds. Because the first thing any of us will do is think, I made it up. There's a watch. Um, God's talking to us about time. Oh, that was just me. No, we're not going to discount it. We're going to all do this and be vulnerable. Um, and then together we'll see what things we think are from God and what things perhaps we just thought of because of our imagination. Um, whenever I've done that, and I've got other friends who've done it a lot more than I have, people have always been encouraged because they've realised they can hear God. Sometimes we can get more spiritual than the Holy Spirit. 
and think we have to have an angel give us a vision or we have to have a multicolored um, kind of vision in our minds come or powerful words or hear the voice of God. No, God can speak very practically and straightforwardly to us. So that kind of workshop type thing is a good way to encourage people. Um, I hope that's helping answer the question. Teach people, use testimony, use your own story, and then do practical things like with some objects and say, let's hear God together. No, that's some really, really practical ideas. And I've definitely been part of those kinds of workshops and found them incredibly encouraging and useful. Um, so now we've got a question that's like on the other extreme. Um, how do you convince prophetic people to dial back the prophetic gift for a while so they don't dominate? Good question. And not on the extreme, because it does need to happen sometimes. Um, in Corinthians 14, Paul says lots of practical stuff on the, on, on the prophetic. And one of the things he says is the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. And what that means is, is the prophet can shut up. Um, and I teach that. Um, one of the things that Paul is concerned about in Corinthians is that the gifts are happening in abundance, so much so that people are interrupting each other in tongues. Um, prophets are prophesying before someone's finished. Um, this is at least scholars' understanding of why Paul is writing it. And Paul says everything must be done, all the gifts must be used, but in order and decently. So if someone is prophesying too much, it helps to have a good relationship with them. It's a, one of our big values is that obviously we uh, value relationship and leadership comes out of relationship. If that's in place, then I would say to someone after a meeting, look, you just said too much tonight. No one else could prophesy. Um, and if you're worried that the Holy Spirit's giving you all this stuff and you have to say it, it Paul says we can hold back. We don't have to give everything. Um, and I don't know this is helpful for the person that asked the question. I'm in, in, in meetings, I'm often holding back. I can get lots of things. And one of the things I've learned to do is to say, God, what is it you want me to share? What is it that's for now? Um, because it doesn't all have to come. And also, if God is speaking and we run out of time and I don't get a chance to share, God is a lot bigger than me, and he can let the people know what he was going to say another time. He doesn't need me to do it. So I found those things helpful for me as someone who prophesies a lot. I don't have to share it. Um, Paul says that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. The, the Holy Spirit may give me lots of stuff, well, that's because he's generous. I need to ask him what stuff is relevant. And then I need to honor the person leading the meeting and make sure I don't dom dominate. The prophetic gift is there to bless the body. Um, so I will hold back while I will go to someone and say, look, I've got this and now I've got this. What do you think is going to be helpful? Do you want me to share? Um, so I model that. And then it's okay for me to ask others to do the same. Um, and sometimes I've said in a small group, not to the individual, I'll do it afterwards, but I've said in a small group, let's have a time now where we don't prophesy, we simply pray or we simply worship. Um, and that's a good way of getting the message over to the person and then I can follow it up afterwards. Fabulous. 
Um, thanks for that. Um, another question is about: Do you have, if you've got lots of new or no, you know, non-believers amongst you, do you have a particular way of phrasing or explaining the prophetic in a meeting? Uh, yes, um, and I think we should. Again, one of the things that is uh, Paul is concerned about in Corinthians is the outsider. Uh, this gets discussed a lot today. Some churches say. Um, because we have guests in and we don't offend them, um, then, then let's dial back on spiritual gifts. I personally don't think that's helpful. I understand why people do it. Um, but I think what Paul is saying, let's do it in a sensitive way for the outsider. And one of the things he says, he said, look, tongues, particularly if they're not interpreted, don't help people. People think you're crazy. Um, but actually, if someone comes in, who doesn't know God and the secrets of their heart are laid bare, they will be convicted. So Paul is saying that the gifts rightly used can actually reveal God and can actually um, challenge people in, in the best way. So with that in mind, I think we should still use the gifts, but with good explanation. Um, so I will simply say some of the things I've said tonight. Uh, we, So I'll do it now. Um we're just not going to sing at the moment. This person has just come to the front. We believe that God still speaks to us today, um, and he does it to us as a father and sometimes through us uh, hearing him speak in, in our minds, speaking to us, and we know that this person uh, does this rig. I'd use their name. We know that this person uh, has this gift, so they're now going to, 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 to say what they think God is saying. And uh, others of us will, will check that it's all okay. You know, that sort of thing, really practically, really straightforward. We don't lose the anointing. It doesn't interrupt the meeting. It helps everyone feel secure. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I, I say God is speaking. Um, and, and by doing it that way, um, it lets people see that there's nothing weird going on. They might not have expected it, but the fact that we're being authentic the fact that we're doing it in that way helps them feel secure. Um, so think, I think people should just think, what phrases do they feel happy with? Um, I feel happy with saying God still speaks to us today um, and we believe we have a personal relationship with him and we can experience him and that's what's happening now. Brilliant. I think that's, that's very helpful, uh, just getting the language and communicating uh, that well. I think that's been a, a helpful answer. Um, next question. Have you ever had any conflicting prophecies? If so, how do you deal with them? Oh, that's very good. Um, so in, in leading a meeting, being a, a, an elder, I'm an elder in the church, so I often have responsibility for that. Going back to what I said about different parts of prophecy, the revelation, the interpretation, and the application. So when I'm weighing a prophecy, when I'm hearing people say things, um, and particularly if it's conflicting, um, I'm trying to think, okay, what, what's God really saying here? Is this from God? What, what's the heart of what's being said? Because it could be the heart of what's being said isn't actually conflicting, but the way that people have bought it is conflicting, if that makes sense. Um, I, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, I, I'll give an example of, of something done not very well. So someone 
could be feeling that God is wanting us to be more passionate in our worship and bring more devotion to him, but they bring it in a heavy way. So they're saying that God really wants us to be much more enthusiastic and passionate in our worship. He gave us Jesus um, and uh, uh, he wants our worship to be passionate. He's reminding us that we are not our own. We were bought with a price. So come on, church, let's worship. Now, the heart of that is, is still a good revelation about bringing our devotion and bringing our best. But they bought it in a way which was more condemnatory. Um, it doesn't mean the prophecy was wrong. So I think it's helpful to then get up um, and in a gentle way or a fatherly way, pick up on the heart of what was said and bring it in a way that lifts people up. Now, that's not the same as contradicting, um, but it, it, it's a, a similar thing. So I think it's fine to get up and, and say to people, look, we've just heard this and now we've heard this. Um, those things aren't necessarily different. So let's respond in different ways to each one. That's another way of doing it. If we actually think that something that has been said isn't from God, I think it's okay to say it in a meeting. I think we should. And I've, I've had to do that. Um, but I've done it gently. So I've, I've thanked that. Thank you for sharing what you did. Not sure that's actually quite right for now or, or is exactly what God wants to say to us. Um, uh, but thank you for, for sharing what was on your heart. Now, come on, everyone. Let's pray. We're going to sing again. God, thank you. You like speaking to you. Enjoy speaking to us. Thank you. We can be family together and we can trust each other. God, we're going to worship you again. So just, again, trying to be really practical, but I, I think we need to do that. We need to father people through those things. Um, and again, if there's relationship and gentleness and honoring, people shouldn't be offended. Um, I've had people offended um, but they turned up in the church to prophesy, saw themselves as a prophet, weren't rooted in any church. Um, and so, to be honest, I wasn't bothered that they were offended and they didn't come back because they saw themselves as a sort of traveling prophet that would go around churches looking to be received. Um, and actually they weren't because they weren't really accountable. So that's slightly different, but it still happens occasionally. So don't worry about offending people. Um, okay, thank you very much. Um, we've got a couple of questions specifically about church planting and, and the prophetic, which I'm going to do in just a second. This one follows on from kind of what you've been saying there, which is uh, what are some of the most common errors that people make when it comes to prophecy? So you might just want to add on to that last answer. So it's the common Ooh. mistakes. Mistakes. Um... don't necessarily like the word mistake because I think sometimes what's happening is, is we're all children and we're all learning how to do these things. Um, and uh, when I look at, you said earlier in the introduction, that I'm a father of five children, you know, watching them grow up, there were things they did for the first time that didn't go well. They weren't a mistake. They were just doing it for the first time. Um, and, and, a good father, and I'm not saying I did it right all the time, but a good father understands that and, and helps their children uh, do it again um, and, and helps their children grow into new things. So sometimes uh, I, I think it's better not to use the language of mistake, but if people are stepping out for the first time or looking to grow in this gift, there may be things that we can help them grow in, so I'll come on to that, but it's helping them grow rather than correcting mistakes, if that makes sense. 
And I, and I think that's important language, especially with spiritual gifts, because Paul says we're to eagerly desire them. Um, and if we say to if we use a language of mistake, that can put people off. Some of the things that can happen, um, and I've done this plenty of times, I can feel the, the burden or, or the weight of what I want to share um, and think it's really, really important. So I go up to the microphone um, and say it more than once. Um, so I, I say the same thing several different ways um, because I want to make sure that, that people have heard it. I want to honour what the Spirit is saying. Um, and often, I've seen that happen often. People go up to, I believe God is saying this, um, and they take five minutes when actually three minutes would have been fine. And it's not about the time. It's rather about just trusting that the Holy Spirit, if it's from the Holy Spirit, he will cause it to land in people's hearts. Um, so I guess a way to sum that one up is we often try to do the Holy Spirit's work for him, particularly with simple prophetic words. Um, I've had times when I've had a very, very simple word of encouragement, and I thought, I'm not going to bring this. Everyone knows this. What's the point in bringing this in the room? Um, and then it's been really clear that God wants me to, um, just because I've learned to hear his voice. Go to the mic, say it, and think, oh, everyone knows that. What's the big deal? And then someone comes up afterwards and says, do you know, I prayed that very thing this morning. I prayed that God would give me uh, those words, and you just went to the front and said them. Thank you. It, it's changed my week, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, the danger is, is we don't just say it. We keep repeating it or say it in different ways, and then it loses its power. So that would be a very common one. Um, uh, I think another common one is what I referred to uh, earlier when when I talked about um, people bringing something in a heavy way. So they let their passion come across, but in such a way it makes people feel heavy or or condemned. Um, the other thing that sometimes people do is overqualify things. They can go to the front and say, look, I, I, I think maybe perhaps God is saying, he's kind of given me a picture, I'm not sure, but, um, and I get why, because we're all nervous. Um, better just to go to the front, let the leaders weigh it, and you just share it. So being too hesitant or uh, overcompensating, trying to make it come across really, really clearly, the Holy Spirit can do all of that. Trust him, just get up, say what's on your heart and leave the rest to him and the rest of the leaders in the meeting. I, I hope that's kind of helpful. But really, I, I, there's not too many mistakes. It's more just keep on growing in it. Fantastic. Right. Um, we've got a couple more questions. I'm conscious of the time, uh, but these are the couple of corkers. In the church plant, we can gather an initial team that is full of individuals who have individual dreams and prophetic words, how can we make sure that there's a cohesive prophetic vision and not just a lot of individuals? Brilliant question. And it takes time. And I think in the end, it's not actually about the prophetic, really, the answer to this one. It's about the main team leader leading well, including people, but still bringing a clear vision. So in the end, focus on what is it we're gathering as a team for. So if it's moving to another part of the city or, or, or a specific area in a totally new city, make sure we give more time to talking about the corporate things that Jesus has brought us together for. So we're here to see these people in this community know Jesus. I know that's obvious, 
but let's make sure we keep talking about those things. Um, because you're absolutely right. I see it again and again that a group of individuals come together. They have their own dreams, their own visions. What they've got in common is reaching that part of the city, but they're all bringing their own individual vision to it. And that's not wrong, but we need to cast a corporate vision that says to people, look, God's each given us a part to play, but we're here for this. Um, so keep talking about that. Keep eating together and having community together and building relationship, because in the end, it's got to be the corporate relationship that's going to enable us to persevere, not individual visions. I'll say that again, because it's so important. It's the relationship together as a team or better as a group, as a community, that's going to sustain us for the long term. And people need to have their hearts joined and not simply becoming, um, if it was me joining a ministry venture that you were doing, Hannah, and thinking, yeah, I love Hannah's heart for the poor. I've got a heart for the poor. If I work with Hannah, I can do this. Um, that's not wrong, but actually what God's called us to is something even deeper than that, which is, well, I'm going to line up behind Hannah's heart because I believe God's calling me to do that, and then together we can do this. And then maybe out of that, I'll get to do some of what God's called me to. That's what we want people to do. Um, and so teach into that, model it, encourage people in what God has said, but in the end say, hey, this is what God's called us to do together. It's this. Um, and do that over some good food because it's hearts joining together that wins through on perseverance and not individual prophetic words. Brilliant. And that leads us on to our kind of final question here. Um, in a couple of minutes, if you can do this one, how much do you balance the pragmatic next step and the need to have a prophetic word? I.e., can you do the next step plant, next step plant a church? without a prophetic word, the next step in a church plant, I think. Yes, definitely. Because underlying all of this, and I know that people listening tonight have got this, we've got God's word, and we've got his revelation through Jesus. So we have what we need. We know he wants to see people saved. We know that church planting is, is the New Testament way to do that. We know that the gospel is the power of salvation unto all who believe we know that people aren't going to be saved unless they hear. So all of this is there. So I think there's a lot to be said when it comes to church planting, moving to new places. Jesus has told us to go, so let's go. What are we waiting for? Um, and and I, I really believe that. Um, it's one of the reasons why I'm passionate about church planting places in the Middle East where Jesus isn't known. Um, do people need an angel visiting them to tell them to go to Central Asia to plant a church? No, there's no churches. Jesus told us to go. Um, now, in terms of the cost involved, in terms of moving your family, yeah, you could do some personal things to help you. Like I said earlier, it brings faith. Um, but acting on what Jesus has shown us in his word, um, acting on passions that he's given us to see the lost saved, or to see a new community in a new part of the city, that is enough. Sorry, there's a pause there as I was finding my unmute. Um, absolutely fabulous. I have just one thing to ask you, Andy, as we wrap up this fantastic broadcast. 
Imagine you're on a train platform. You've just got chatting and conversation to the guy next to you. The train pulls up. He's getting on. As he gets onto the train, the whistle blows. You discover he's going to church plant or he's just starting a church plant. You have about 30 seconds a minute to say something that would be massively encouraging to him. What is it that you would say in that scenario? Ah, brilliant question, Hannah. I would say to him, treasure the things that God has said to you that's got you to this point, because they will be the things that sustain you. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And just a reminder that you can find the full notes on everything that Andy said at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 66. See you next time.